Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by Tammy Bangs and Tammy is the director of Tay Training and the founder of the methodology Training for Influence. So everyone let's say hello to Tammy. Hi everyone. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining us today because you're in quite a unique stage of your life at the moment aren't you? (laughs) Yes I am. I'm actually um, in a camper van with my children um, and we've been traveling around so it'll be seven weeks soon. So we're spending the summer, that work, camp-life balance. Brilliant. So I love technology. So here we are, still recording a podcast. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) Now, I know you professionally through LinkedIn and all those wonderful things, but I don't know much about your background, but I know you've got an amazing story of positive change. So please do tell us your background. Um, So I guess I'll start with where where I'm at now. So as you said, I'm um, director of Tay Training and founded the methodology training for influence and um, Tay Training is a training company really specifically focused on um, delivering transformational training to criminal justice, social care and charities, particularly from a safeguarding perspective and risk management and um, complex situations and vulnerable people. And the methodology is about um, sharing how we help frontline practitioners have the emotional resilience they need and the skills and the values to be able to transform the lives of the most vulnerable but that's my mission because of where I came from and my experiences so I'm one of those people just like most of us are you know we're we're a a sum of our history and our kind of our parts and my my childhood was quite complex and abusive and and not very positive Um, and I then spent some years living street homeless um, when I was 15 for a few years and then and living in homeless hostels within that time things were very difficult as I'm sure you can imagine and I kind of needed to survive um but I I met a lady who helped me well actually what she did was give me hope um and within that she was the tutor at the local college and I started um engaging in education and then actually ended up going off to university at the same time that my peers would have done even though I didn't finish school and I didn't have GCSEs and things. And then yeah. kind of the rest is history in the sense of I've then dedicated my life to I've spent 20 years working within criminal justice, charities and social care with some of the most complex people um, in society who are suffering multiple disadvantages. And then I've taken the learning from that and really kind of invested it in the training company. And then now we have a methodology which can be applied to any sector any training course, but it was derived specifically not to be a training methodology, it was specifically derived to help people be able to change the lives of the most complex and vulnerable. Wow. So you were in a hostel, you met this lady who just kind of turned your life around. Yeah, so she kind of she gave me hope, that's what I'd say. So I was it was actually it was the day before my sixteenth I actually no, sorry, when I met Jane it was just after my sixteenth birthday. Um, and I'd had a particularly rough night um, living homeless and it was a really difficult time but education had always been a bit of a solace to me 
because even when I was younger and I was um, in abuse, abusive situations, um, school was my safe place. And although I didn't tell people at school what was happening, I knew that I wouldn't be harmed there. So education yeah. kind of become this safe place for me. So I had this really difficult time um, one night when I was homeless. And um, very honestly, I was ready just to give up. And I actually stomped into the local college and insisted that they enroll me and they just kind of laughed at me and threw me out because I was I was young I was um arrogant I was dirty Mm -hmm. I was swearing at them um, and I was if if I'm honest I was just desperate I didn't know what to do I didn't know where to turn and as I walked out she followed me and she just asked me if I'd ever heard of the word appeal I hadn't and she said to me I'll help you appeal but the deal is that you sit at the back of my class unofficially um, whilst we await the appeal, which would take about six weeks. So that, that's what I did. Um, so I was living a bit of a hybrid life of college and homelessness uh, whilst the appeal went through. And then in that six weeks, I completed her course, which was a year's course with, um, at, at A-star level. And so actually the college, when it went to appeal, they couldn't say no to me yeah. because I'd already proven my worth. So she, what she gave me was, I talk about it. So I did a TED talk at the back of last year and I say that it's kind of three things for me. It was connection, opportunity and environment because she was the first adult not to abuse or exploit me that had come into my life. Um, and then from that, she gave me opportunity. So I wasn't just spending my life anymore. My days um, within the homeless community, which was a very difficult place to be. And then over time, she introduced me to different environments and and kind of and that's how it led to me then being confident enough and um winning awards and such like and getting offered a place at university so I very much so as much as it was it wasn't just her I describe her as kind of the superhero that started things off and she certainly she had this unconditional belief in me she gave me hope in myself and then she helped others recognize that there was you know a, a reason to be kind to me so I guess my mantra that I talk about all of the time and the reason why we developed a methodology to help frontline professionals have that emotional resilience and those values is because kindness can absolutely change the world. And I, I really believe that. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I kind of talk, talk to that and talk about that regularly about we might not recognise sometimes that one small act of kindness, you know, she was in a place where she felt able to and confident enough because I was not an easy 16 year old, but she was in a place where she felt confident enough, resilient enough, and she had the skills and techniques a frontline professional needs um, to follow me out as I was kicking things and swearing and, and threatening them, kind of the people around me to follow me out and kind of just go, can I just have a quick word? And, you know, and, and then the rest is history. So if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't be living the life that I'm living now. I wouldn't be working in Parliament. I wouldn't have two beautiful kids. Um, I wouldn't be travelling the country in a camper. Um, and it was she was the right person at the right time. Yeah, I absolutely love your story because I think we throw the word kindness around so often, don't like be kind, be kind always. You know, when there's something like an event like a celebrity commits suicide or struggles, we then reminded that we should be kind you know it's sad we have to be reminded but as you say 
the power of one act of kindness when you say it like that like you know you're in a really angry place but someone was kind to you was life-changing so you know it's not just holding a door open it is that you know that connection isn't it can change people's yeah. life when we get kindness right yeah but interestingly i i am um, in my in my ted talk i talked to the fact that we don't all have to be superheroes we can we can be the helpers and actually that act of holding the door open particularly for where I was in my life do you know we talk about it flippantly and say well it's not just holding the door open but actually the reason I got through at that point in my life is because is because of all of the tiny acts of kindness as well so I talk about there, there was a um there was a baker who used to leave bread at the back of the, his bakery and I used to think uh, me and my friend used to go at five o'clock in the morning and steal this bread and steal this cake to survive I know like looking back obviously stealing isn't brilliant but we were 16 years old and we were starving hungry and mm. it's only a few years ago that I that I realized we weren't stealing it at all Do you know they, he, he bagged it up for us and it was our oh. favorites every day <laughs> so so I think it is kindness makes the world go round, and I don't yeah. think we depending on where somebody else somebody is in their life on that day holding that door open and, and giving them that smile or nodding in acknowledgement can absolutely be enough to get them through to the next day and sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in our own lives that we forget that yeah I think we can be quite quick to judge we think you know that well, I'm going through this and it's right for you you've got that house that car that job but I think everyone's got their own pains and it is the small acts as you say because sometimes in life we just feel invisible don't we we, you know, our self-worth goes out the window. We don't feel good enough. and We do feel invisible. So sometimes, you know, someone just waving or smiling can be a life changer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, going back to kind of the time when I lived homeless, people will often say to me, you know, what was the worst part of being homeless? Was it the being assaulted? Was it finding somewhere to sleep? Was it keeping clean? Was it begging? And I say, and I say actually, no, you know, I, I could cope with all that. I might have only been 15, 16, 17 at the, at the time. So but I could cope with all that. The thing that nearly pushed me over the edge was people not acknowledging me yeah. and not recognising me as a person and people walking down and kind of avoiding looking at me and things like that. And it got to the stage where, um, particularly if you're in that environment, and, and it's not unique to people who are living homeless. It's other people um, within society as well. But when you don't feel like you're seen, and you don't feel like you matter, that's when actually things become really dangerous and concerning for as an individual from their own kind of place of mental health as well. Yeah. It's astounding. You said that you was with this lady for six weeks and you sort of did like a year's study and you went into uni. It sounds absolutely amazing. I honestly don't know how you've done it. But coming from such, I don't say a dark childhood, but coming from such a traumatic childhood, when you're making these great achievements, how do you find the time to heal from the past? Um, so I think I, so when I did go to university, I purposely, so I'm a, a, I'm a lifelong learner. So I, I kind of, I said earlier, I said um, education was my solace from a really, really young age. And I remain from kind of age um, seven onwards. And so for me, my, my go-to is to, is to learn and to understand and to explore and, experience of the people's thoughts and perspectives and things like that 
And so when I had the opportunity to go to university, and I did, I did jump from living in a homeless hospital to living in the halls of residence at university, and that's a completely different um, story of overwhelm. Um, but when I did go to university, I chose to study psychology because I wanted to understand. By that point, what Jane had kind of gifted to me was the recognition that all adults weren't bad. Um, and so by that point, I then also started getting very much wrapped up in the fact that it must have been me then. If all adults weren't bad, but consistently a variety of different adults were awful to me, then surely it must have been me. And so as I was going into kind of age 18, 19, 20, I, I went to university and studied psychology and um, specifically because I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand people and myself and others and kind of the context and the environment it was my way of trying to start to heal yeah and um, and then as I went through I guess my working career so I went I, I kind of went through a journey of um working in a secure unit for um 11 to 17 year olds who have been convicted of offenses and then I went to train as a forensic psychologist with high-risk people convicted of sexual offenses within a prison um, and then on to manage homeless hostels and such like um, so I, what I did as I went through my career, at the beginning, I have to say, when I look back now, I kind of shudder and think, gosh, you really weren't ready to be going into that field at, straight from university when actually your, your history um, and where, you're, where you are, you, I was absolutely in a real place of vulnerability and healing and learning and all of that wrapped in the same time. And I, would, I remember times where I would go to work um, and be, be learning to deliver therapy to really high risk people and then be going home and, and planning my own suicide. And it's like, oh, actually, that, that's a really, really dangerous place. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about really giving frontline professionals, recognising that they're the people that absolutely are in a privileged position in the sense that they can really help people transform their lives. But they're, they're people too. And if we don't look after them and help them, we kind of manage their lives, have the mental um, well-being that they need and the techniques that they need. We don't recognise how important that is to the individuals on the front line. They're in no place to um, offer safe values-led services to people like I was back then. Um, but when I was that frontline professional, initially, initially I shouldn't have been. And actually I look back and think, it, it's luck that um, got me through, luck and a lot of learning that got me through those first years. But then as I graduated through my career, because I'm a continual learner, um, then obviously I, I took things in, my life changed, my environment changed, I, I got therapy um, and I, I surrounded myself with positive people. And I moved on, my, my healing happened. Um, and I spent some time focusing on myself and learning forgiveness and kind of all of the, the cliche stuff that people yeah. kind of go, well, that, that won't help me. And it really does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was um, so it was all of that as a package and then and growing up and going through my life. And I think for me, one of the main, main huge things was also having children um, and the whole kind of complexity around having children um, and that that kind of pulled me away from my whole life being connected to work um, and really made me kind of refocus on um, that balance and, and that importance as well. 
That's beautiful. I absolutely love it. And it just makes so much sense to me. But I just love what did make me laugh when you said about the cliches. You know, all the cliches that you think will work. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I say that to people all the time. You know, um, if, people, if people talk to me and they're in a difficult place and things and, um, and people have this view, like they're always, oh, Tammy, you're so strong and you're doing so well and X, Y, Z. And, and I kind of, I have to kind of help people to to recognize that actually we're all doing so well at different points within our lives or from different viewpoints it depends what you're gauging it against at that yeah. that point and people will say to me how did you get there how did you do that because I'm in a really difficult place and I'll and I'll say actually you know it really isn't rocket science it really isn't rocket science you're you're, you're expecting me to tell you something huge and actually there isn't anything huge to tell you and um, it is about that connection that environment that opportunity and about really taking care of yourself and understanding the pain um and then really for me it it was about talking about it processing it and then and then letting some of it go because some of it I couldn't control and I would never understand and was unfair and unfortunate um but I can't go back and change it so actually what I can do is I, I can influence the future and I want my children's future in particular but my future and everybody around me's future to be as positive as possible so me holding on to some of the things that I can't change from the past isn't going to hurt anybody apart from the people I love yeah and it is that so many people cling on to the past whether it's because they're trying to make sense of it or because they want somebody to feel their pain or they can't bring themselves to forgive but it gets to a point for many of us where you just think I need to let it go because it's killing my present my future you know, it's happened, but I can't change that it's happened. And so that's so true. You're saying it's not what's really lovely. You say it's not just for you, but it impacts like on your daughters and, you know, family, your work and everything. We just need to let go sometimes because we're sort of hanging on. I think somebody says that it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to drop dead. You know, we just <laughs> hang on to these toxic situations and think, well, I want you to suffer. But, you know, what's been done to us, you know, has been done and what the people doing now they've probably moved on haven't they we're still like carrying it with us and we get to a point that to heal almost we do need to let go and it can be so hard could be the hardest thing you have to do in this life but sometimes we need to leave the past in the past yeah absolutely and it and I don't think it's easy at all and I certainly um even now so I've been kind of said a bit about my career but then I moved into um into management and the management of homeless hostels and developing services and things like that and then I was CEO of a charity working to prevent sexual abuse and as I said I now have my own company and such like um so so when you look at my journey and you think and and when you see me I don't know um on tv sat on the committee on standards for parliament you think all right she she's got it all together actually I still get triggers now there's absolutely times where there's there's um, better days than other days and I'll walk into a situation and something will trigger something it might be a smell might be a song it might be a mannerism that somebody has and it will absolutely trigger something from my, my past and root me to the ground and actually I, that's when I when I did my TED talk I talked about the fact and this is completely true last not June just gone the June before I um, walked out of Parliament um, leaving a meeting that had gone really well and I walked into King's Cross Station feeling the top of the world um, and 
right in front of me was a girl that I met on my 16th birthday in a homeless hostel and she was still living on the streets taking heroin her children had been taken away from her and it for for a good few months it, it threw my head into turmoil of the whole why did I deserve to be why did I deserve my life to transform in this way and why didn't she I'm no better than her and it had a real profound impact on me with regards to um, where I wanted to take my life and why and so I think we can let go of course we can and we can move on and like I actively parent so differently um, to my parents based on my history but we can't control everything and if we try to um, then actually that's damaging in itself we I have techniques I guess to kind of help me work through different things that may trigger me at different points I think it's so important what you've said because I think we could heal for the rest of our lives. I believe we do because we just get through one thing and then something else will happen and yeah. we're dealing with that. It's always like a grief and a loss or a disappointment or a challenge. I think we're always healing. But what I love about that is just you're so right because we're healing, but we can still be triggered. We can heal, but still have really bad days. We can heal to a functional level, but it will still get us. You know, It's like the smell because our smell's connected to memory it's the strongest sense we have connected to our past and so it's really important people think you know they are good enough they are here you, you have got it right it just still catches you sometimes but you're doing it right isn't it yeah and actually that and that's okay as well because I mm. I know some people that beat themselves up a little bit when they're triggered again and and my response is no that's okay it's how you respond to that how you work through it and the techniques you have to keep yourself safe as you move through it that's the bit that you can control you can't control the triggers so why waste energy trying to yeah I think if you have the awareness you know you can just work on that but you know we do get triggered because you know some people have had huge traumas and you are going to have those triggers but it doesn't mean like you know you're not good enough that you're not healing yeah exactly so you talk about tools and techniques do you do something on a daily practice or a tool you use when you have a trigger that you could share today um so you'll you'll probably laugh about my daily practice um so <laughs> I, I have the de this daily practice of um <laughs> I even, it's even making me laugh saying it but um yeah mm. I can't but wait for I this do, one <laughs> yeah I think about um whether I'd be whether I'd be happy um I have probably the wrong word satisfied I guess um if I died today so instead of living my life trying to achieve my dreams, I try and make every day be part of my dream. Yeah. So particularly, so I have a fear that comes from my childhood. So one of the biggest things that I bring along with me, and I will always remember, is the devastation attached to not having unconditional love. So usually that you get that from your parents, but you can also get it from elsewhere. But that real unconditional love. And so that, that plays into uh, my fears. And so one of the things that I've worked really, really hard on is ensuring that my girls who are now um, 14 and 12, no matter what happens, they will never, ever doubt that I have complete and utter unconditional love for them. Um, our relationship isn't always perfect because they can be a nightmare at times, as I'm sure I can. <laughs> they are teenagers, you know, just about. Um, but they, within that, they, they never doubt how much I love them. And so what I... So my fear that comes from that is that you, you'll know as a parent, you can't control everything. And I didn't know whether 
um, I would be alive when they were two, be alive when they're 10, be alive when they're 50 and they've got grandkids themselves or whatever it is. And so, so I kind of live my life in the sense of every day, would I be, if something happened really unfortunate, um, and I don't kind of, um, I don't over ruminate on something happening that's unfortunate at all, but I ruminate on the other element of it is, if something happened today, would I be happy with where I'm at? And would I be happy with what I'm leaving behind? Yeah. And the top of the shop for that is my children and them recognising and knowing how much I love them and how much faith I have in them to live a brilliant life and how proud I am, et cetera, et cetera. I, I want them to know that every day, no matter how difficult the day is. And so I try and show that in a variety of different ways, but also very much with my work. So my mission throughout my work is to wherever I can interrupt the generational cycle of abuse for people because that's what happened to me the the cycle was interrupted with me my life became different and because of that my children and people connected to me my husband etc um will never experience kind of the same levels of pain because um you'll know that the cycle of abuse um, has those long-term impacts so, so even through my working life, it's, well, if something happened to me, would I be happy with where, I've at, where I'm at? Do I live every day trying to do my best? I might not always achieve it, but am I trying to do my best and trying to have that impact? So, so instead of going, I dream that in five years' time I'm going to achieve this, I, I absolutely have those dreams. But every day I, I'm working within my dream. And so that's kind of, that's, that's my mantra, really. Would I, if something happened to me today, would, would I be happy with where I'm at would, or would I be living with regrets and if I'm living with regrets um, then I need to change something and that's that's what sent me off in the camper van for seven weeks um, with the kids and kind of that that work work-life balance because when Covid first hit um, my company um, went into a spin because everybody cancelled um, training because we're a training company and so overnight we had a year's worth of training cancelled and I spent every hour that there was kind of literally 16, 18 hours every day for the first couple of months, desperately trying to save Tay training and to pivot and to learn live online training. And then really importantly, to make sure that the live online training matched our methodology. Um, and then there was a point where I kind of sat and went, gosh, my children are in the house with me all day, every day, and I'm barely seeing them. I'm seeing them in passing um and that was no I'm not happy with with where I'm at at the moment with now we're at that level where the training company fortunately for us actually um overtook where it was prior to covid because we'd adapted so well and because our methodology is so transformational um uh, we got to a point where we just kind of tipped over where we were before and that was when I said right okay girls now it needs to be about it needs to be about you and me um, and obviously my husband too, but unfortunately for him, he's um, he's still having to go in for work. So of the seven weeks, bless him, he's joined us for about three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it, that was that's what tipped me in the sense of actually, if I went now, if something happened now, um, I would be happy with where the business at and the fact that we're sharing that that transformational training again. But actually, I wouldn't be happy with, with where I'm at as a parent. So it was my way of really forcing that balance. Yeah. And, and I feel really good, good about where we are now and kind of the, the process that we've taken through. But I think it's helped a lot of us um, 
just I guess refocus and reset a little bit as well it sounds absolutely beautiful I love it and I even love your thing about if you died today I think there's a Buddhist quote a bit like that that says if you didn't wait tomorrow would you be satisfied how today ended and that's kind of encourages not to end with like unsaid words or anger or things like that yeah. always end the day on the positive so I quite liked it it kind of goes with my mentality <laughs> I love it oh. you have so much experience and so much wisdom I absolutely love it but what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given um so I think really honestly it it really is about um recognizing that we're we're all on this earth for a purpose and actually make our time count however that may be you know make our time count yeah I love that I love a dollop of spirituality you know me (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love it so if people want to connect with you and work with you I've got you down as you have a website you've got one for the training for influence and the Tay training yeah so um so yeah the connect to me on social my book comes out next month so they can buy my book um and they can find me on my websites so it's tammy banks um or tay training or training for influence so they can find me across all of those different platforms fabulous and the ted talk how can they watch that um so um ted has its own youtube channel so if you just put my name in tammy banks um ted talk on youtube it'll come up for you there Fabulous. It sounds like we should all go and watch it because you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I've had a lovely time talking to you. Oh, bless you. Thank you ever so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, life goes on. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.